Welcome back to another edition of Rock Talk. We got a great pod today. We are joined again by Austin Mueller. Oz and I look at the NBA draft lottery that went down and some very interesting implications going forward with with everything as Oklahoma City really wanted to get a, a move up and get the top pick and they're sixth now. So we kind of, we talk about things like that. We look at the final four teams in the NBA and one's going to win a championship. So we look at who we think is going to win, who we're hoping for, who we're pulling for. We have some different trade possibilities with so many disgruntled big name players in the NBA right now. This could be a very busy off season. So we look at a few different possibilities and then we are going to go over the most overrated players in the NBA, in our opinions. We also have our first sponsor. And ironically enough, it's another podcast. We are brought to you today by Defying the Odds podcast. Defying the Odds podcast looks at athletes from small rural places, defying the odds and showing resiliency and achieving success at the highest levels. They have guests from Olympias, Olympians to high-level NCAA champions. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Last but not least, Please follow the podcast. Please subscribe to it. Sign up. Follow. We want to expand and grow this podcast as much as possible. All right. It's going to be a good one. Here we go. Well, Oz, we're going to welcome you back again for our second episode. Um, What were your thoughts on the uh, draft lottery as it went down last night? Well, first of all, big ups to Toronto jumping all the way to number four. That uh, that might make uh, someone like Kyle Lowry decide to stay a little longer and uh, say, "Hey, maybe I, maybe I should come back. Maybe we can can get back into contention sooner than later." So that's a, that was, and even if it doesn't, that's just huge. Getting uh, another potential franchise cornerstone with uh, with guys like Jalen Green or Suggs, maybe. Uh, being in that four spot, or maybe Kaminga if they if they rather have a, a a wing, but I think I think that's that's huge for them because now uh, now the reboot goes faster than than they they might have thought, and, they, and uh, Masai doesn't have to necessarily tear everything down. What do you think about uh, Oklahoma City, whose entire livelihood has been trying to tank and get a top pick, and they don't get the pick swap with OKC, or sorry, with a Houston, and they drop down to sixth. With their pick, well, if they want to get a higher pick, they still can. It's not like they don't have ammunition to spend. If they want to go and uh, and knock on Detroit's door and offer them eight future first round picks for the number one, Detroit might have to do that. Well, so <laughs> here's what I was thinking: Detroit, like, so OKC wants needs a superstar. They need a big name player. They already have Shea Gilchrist, but they want Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham is from the Oklahoma State area, and he went to OK or Oklahoma State for um, free college. What if they offered? So in this year's draft, OKC with the Kemba Walker trade that will be completed, they have the six, sixteen, and eighteenth overall picks. So Detroit has nothing really, and their cupboard is so bare. So what if they offer six, 16, 18, and another future first round pick, or maybe two futures um, in 23, 24, like five picks for Detroit? Like, I think they have to go, they have to really look at that. Or if Detroit says, if they say these are like unprotected picks, because they're giving up a sure thing in Cade. So if you're trading a sure thing for potential like might be good or might not be that's risky so you want as as much insurance as you can so it'd be like okay we'll do this but these are i don't want any protections on these picks no top three nonsense so if they get say houston's pick next year because houston they might still be bad good chance something like that that would be uh that would be a win and i'm sure okc has some uh some big uh well they have everybody's picks for forever so (laughs) I think they should try to go over the top and get Cade if, if they think he's the guy. Yeah, so they don't have uh, Houston's next year. There's no picks up. All they have is next year is um, 
an unprotected pick from the Clippers. They uh, they don't even have their own next year. They have their own if it's uh, I think it's top ten protected. So but they then, lost out on that pick swap and get nothing. Uh, so that pick swap that happened this year was a one or done thing. So they they didn't oh, get anything wow. from it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so next year they have the Clippers unprotected first round pick, and then they have a top twelve protected Phoenix Suns pick, and then theirs is top ten protected, which they'll probably keep. Otherwise, it goes to Atlanta. Um, oh boy! But so here's not the, great then. Um, no, but here's uh, they also have Houston's pick swaps. I think in twenty four and twenty six, if I remember off the top of my head. But here's another one. If you look at the projected draft, Cade Cunningham's going to go number one. Evan Mobley is going to likely go number two to Houston. Cleveland's got the number three pick. They have they Colin Sexton guns. and Darius Garland. Now, yeah. the next players are going to go, and it could be a variety of orders, but Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green are likely the next two players to be picked. Maybe Kaminga moves up, but it's probably going to be one of those two players. So I think a really good possibility is Cleveland will want to move down. And then, so here's another a scenario I was thinking of. Cleveland. That makes sense if they believe in sex land. If they believe in that sex land backcourt, that makes sense to move down. Yeah, exactly. And if they don't, then they'll probably trade one of those because they're not going to need those two and Cade Cunningham. Or maybe they're going to go ultra small and put Cade Cunningham as a, a small forward, but I think that's a little bit too small. So maybe Cleveland trades not down. Cade. You mean Suggs or Jalen Green? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Suggs or Jalen Green. That's pretty small because Jalen Green is only 6'5", I think. Yeah. So um, maybe they there's a three-way deal where Detroit moves to one to three and they still get a future player in Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. And then Cleveland moves to six and gets the OKC pick. And OKC sends picks to obviously both Cleveland and Detroit and moves up to number one. So that could yeah. be a three-way deal. Yeah, I like that. Why not? I, but if I'm Detroit, I'm probably sticking with Cade. You're not going to get another chance to get in. Like, it's so rare. I can't remember the last time Detroit went number one. Have they ever? Uh, it was 1970. It was a long <laughs> time ago. So I wasn't even alive, and I'm old as dirt. So these guys, it's a this is a big blessing. And if they think uh, Cade is is going to be a franchise cornerstone, they got to take him. Unless, unless uh, OKC just goes way over the top and does something like nuts. So well, and, <laughs> and, and uh, in that same breaks reg- their bank on them. In that same regard, Orlando's got five and eight. Does Orlando offer five and eight for one or two? And if you're Houston or Detroit, do you take five and eight rather than one or two and get potentially Kaminga at five and then another decent player at eight and give yourself more chances to get Orlando superstar player? Yeah, it's it's depends on uh, what their their what they think of their current roster. So like with the Rockets getting number two, now it gets uh, interesting who they want to build around because their their current guy Woods, who they think is is the guy right now. I don't know how well he he pairs necessarily with Mobley because they're they're both kind of uh, these lanky bigs that are that like to shoot the outside shot a bit, and and I don't know if they're if they necessarily pair that well. So maybe they want to guard anyway. So if they trade down and get an extra bullet, that might be a good move. But if they don't believe in Woods, then they could send him packing or just let him play out his one year and then trade him or, or whatever. But they should probably pick Mobley because I think he's far and away the second best player, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I 100%. And as I said last time, I think Woods is not going to be good. You're not as high as Woods as I am, obviously. Yeah, I would ship him out so fast. Mobley is a way better fit. And you get, you're getting value at the highest possible point for uh, Christian Wood. So I think it's a no-brainer for Houston unless they really like two players and they get five and they can help ex- uh, accelerate their rebuild. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Our sponsor today is Defying the Odds podcast. Defying the Odds podcast looks at athletes from rural or small towns overcoming the odds and making it big, whether it be going to the Olympics going to NCAA college, or achieving success at the highest level. Follow them today. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Oz, what do you think of the final four teams? We have Philadelphia had a uh, wretched loss, to say the least, uh, against uh, Atlanta and a heartbreaking. And we'll talk about Ben Simmons uh, a little bit here in a quick note but i don't see him there next year and now you have weird teams in the eastern conference and western conference finals you have utah 
sorry, not Utah. You have the Clippers and you have Phoenix. Neither have ever won a championship. So one of those teams will have a chance to win the championship this year. And then you have Atlanta, who is riding Trey Young and all his crap jumping into people for fouls, which is starting to really irritate me personally. And you have Milwaukee, who had they lost in the last round to the Nets, I think Budenhoser is fired by today at least. And they're already talking about what's wrong with the Bucs. Like they're basically doing the same thing they're doing with uh, Philadelphia. And they're like, who has to be traded? Like can, is Giannis the guy? Should they send him out? And all this other stuff. And now they might end up winning the championship. So what are your thoughts going forward on the uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals? And then who do you think is going to win the championship? Well, right now I would favor Milwaukee to win the championship. I think they have, uh, even though I'm a Suns guy, I just think they have the best player remaining in the playoffs. And I think that's, and Middleton has, uh, has stepped up. They need to get more out of Drew, which I think they can. Uh, I think he'll be a big part of this next series against the Hawks. I think he, good chance he locks up Trey better than, uh, than what Philly did. I think uh, he's, he's a dynamite defensive guy, but his offensive game has been really sketchy. So they need to get more of him offensively. But I, I just think they have the, the best big three. They also have the worst depth. So like they get nothing out of their bench. Um, but I, I'm just riding the star power. I think they have the best star power remaining. So I'm favoring the Bucks to win the title. I think they should dispatch Atlanta easily. Um, but I've been wrong about Atlanta almost the whole time. I thought they'd beat the Knicks. But after that, I cannot believe they beat Philly. What of That is the biggest mental breakdown of all time for that loss at home in game seven. Man. I'm I'm kind of rambling here, but have you ever seen a worse meltdown? I, I think the culmination point, and if anybody watched the game, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Embiid referenced it afterwards in his press conference. Simmons was wide open for a dunk. He does a nice spin move on it. I forget who it was. And he passes to Matisse Thibault, who's got two guys and gets fouled. And then he's not a good, that good of a free throw shooter. He's like, I think high 60s, low 70s. So he gave away a dunk because he was so petrified of being fouled. And I've never seen a player in the NBA so mentally broken right now. And I don't think he's going to be back in Philly next year. I think he needs a new fresh start. And there's actually rumors out there. And of course, this is just people speculating that you put Kyle Lowry in a sign, sign and trade, maybe a pick or another young player uh, going to Philly. And then Toronto gets Ben Simmons back. Well, they'd they'd ask for the the fourth pick to get him. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Toronto would like Simmons's trade value has never been lower. And here's my dream scenario, just for drama and stupidity. You put Simmons and you put Thibel in the deal too. You trade both of them, and they're both pretty good defensive players. You trade them to Milwaukee for let's say Drew Holiday, and send Drew Holiday back to, um, um, back to Philly, and then you have Antetokounmpo, you have Thibel, <laughs> and you have Simmons all on the same roster. And it's not like hack one player, it's hack them all. And then it's just seeing- And they win games 63 to 62 every day. Exactly. It's like the New York Knicks back in the day. And then they bring in like um, James Johnson just to be like that uh, Charles Oakley guy and just enforce and clothesline somebody randomly. It's going to be like the eight, late 80s, early 90s all over again. <laughs> well, I don't mind that trade for Toronto. Like, you know that Simmons, if he was featured and had people pumping his tires all the time, like he has it has the potential to be great. You saw that game against Utah in the regular season. He dropped 40 on those guys and talk shit about go bear. That guy's the defensive player of the year. I just dropped 40 on him. Right. So he has the ability to be good when he's featured, but obviously he's in his own head. And if he can't get out of his head, he's, he's basically just a glorified defender playmaker. Now he's like Draymond green level bad, except even worse. Cause Draymond isn't afraid to attack the hoop at least. So he's, I don't know what he's got to do. I think he should find a head dog, like got to go to a sports psychiatrist. The, some of the best athletes of all times have done it. GSP, the best fighter ever. He took one of those guys and, and uh, helped his career. So I don't know why a guy like Ben Simmons couldn't do that. He's got to fix his head. And then I think he'd be just fine with a new setting, uh, but you're right. His trade value is super low right now. So maybe, uh, they got a uh, Morley and those boys in in Philly. They got to take their times and uh, and find the right fit. Maybe don't pull the trigger quite so quick. It's funny you say Draymond Green because if I look at the best case for Ben Simmons, where because he's not a massive offensive player, he's a transition player. Um, his jump shot shot is incredibly broken. Um, 
Miami has, I think, the best shooting coach in the NBA and one of the best ones in the world. So if you put him in Miami, I think he, he changes his jump shot and he becomes a decent jump shooter, or at least somebody that would make them stay on. It's kind of like Draymond Green like three or four years ago where he'd shoot at like low 30s, maybe in the threes and stuff like that. So are they getting Jimmy Buckets back? Because Jimmy's just going to bully him like he did. Yeah, well, exactly. But then <laughs> Jimmy Butler hates, Jimmy thinks he's soft. <laughs> exactly. He hates Ben Simmons. The pressure's going to be on Ben Simmons there. It's not going to be a good fit. So I'm kind of hoping that shooting coach like moved to a different team <laughs> to work with Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons' best role is just like you said, being a Draymond Green type. If he can be a playmaker. If you watch Draymond Green this year, he didn't shoot ever. But he led the warriors in rebounds and assists and was a huge playmaking uh, force you put him on a team where he has the opportunity to do that and he's out of the limelight so he's not in philly he's not in lakers he's not in golden state he's maybe like about portland send him for cj mccollum cj mccollum yeah and, and if portland's gonna do a rebuild how good would that be you get cj straight up which would be a great trade for philly because then that's what they need as a playmaker and a scorer in the back they need a go-to guy in the, yeah. in the crunch time and cj can be that and then they trade dame and then they say a rebuild. Oh, with, you got to keep Dame to be the to be the Curry with the dream. <laughs> Dame's oh, got to stay. Like, oh, okay. I like that. He, he gets to be the Draymond. All he does is go downhill off the screen and roll, play make. If 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 uh, Dame decides to give him the ball, if not, Dame's letting it fly. And then when Dame's out of the game, he can be the one man show. I like that even better. I was because they, the they want to get Draymond. Like CJ and uh, Dame have been like on social media and stuff for the last couple of years, saying Draymond come to come to Portland. So Ben Simmons there with Dame and then they get, they'd have to get a bunch of shooters to make it work. Yeah. And that was like Simmons has to be the only guy that can't shoot on the lineup. Having another guy like Tybal <laughs> or anybody that else that can't shoot that ruins his ability to go downhill that. And he has to be not afraid of getting fouled anymore. Cause then what's the point? Yeah. So they, they, they get Simmons, they lock up uh, Covington. They have the, he can shoot. They lock up again, Norman Powell, who's going to opt out of his player option. And, uh, I don't know about Nurkic. I think he might bounce too. I think he might yeah. try to go somewhere. Yeah, but, no, but Nurkic can bring back something. I think his salary is in the 12 to 14 million range. So I he brings he back a quality player. Out. I think it might be a player option or something. Oh, is he? Okay. I have to, I have to look that one up. But I don't know. I just remember on his exit interview, he, or the not the exit interview with the team, but just like with the, the media, he was like, we'll see what my agent says or whatever. So he didn't. it didn't sound too promising like he wanted to come back. Well, so you think Milwaukee's going to win. What, do you, what team do you think is coming out of the West? Well, Phoenix is up 2-0 right now, and I don't see Kawhi coming back uh, 100%. Even if he comes back at 75, uh, winning four out of the next uh, five games is a tough, tough thing to pull off. So I'm, I'm favoring my sons, and I hope my sons win the whole thing. But I just uh, – I don't know. I think Aiton, if he can get – I've seen him play uh, uh, Antetokounmpo really tough. So maybe maybe that's a defensive matchup that can work over. That's only like one game sample sizes <laughs> over a seven game series. Maybe he gets toasted, but I'm, I really think the Clippers, uh, they're, they're out of their last lives. They look uh, after losing that heartbreaker last night. I think they're toast. Well, so these are odds like I'm not a better, but I'm kind of wondering. So the earlier, it was uh, 11 to one for the Hawks to win the championship. And now it's down to seven to one, but the Clippers are at 14 to one odds. So if you put down a hundred bucks, you could win $1,400 on the Clippers. And like the Clippers have done this twice already. And let's say Kawhi actually comes back and they just ride this hot wave. Right. Yeah. If they're healthy, healthy, I had the Clippers going to the finals against uh, the Nets and losing. That was my, my finals picks Clippers Nets. I thought, I thought those are the two, uh, the two best teams and mostly cause I'm a, a Laker hater. I didn't want the, <laughs> I've never, there's never been a, a seed seven or lower to ever win a title. So I didn't think the Lakers are going to start, but, but I think uh, the Clippers, if they had Kawhi, they'd be favored over the Suns. but without their best player, you're not going to win, man. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping that Chris Paul comes back. I'm really cheering. Cause Chris Paul, I think deserves it. And I really hope the Phoenix Suns are able to, pull it out and not to mention they're playing pretty good like did you see booker last night in the fourth quarter after he got the uh bloody nose with pat bev and then he's I, got the uh his his nose is just clogged with kleenex or whatever like that and it looks like it's just so huge and it looks like it's so busted when you just look at it but he's still out there just dropping buckets and and uh and ayton's finally starting to come around too so i really think phoenix is going to win and i'd be shocked if milwaukee doesn't come into the east but here's a case 
Milwaukee struggled to score 100 points. Atlanta, with all their shooters and Trey Young, they can easily drop over 100 points. And Philly, you could argue, is a better defensive team than Milwaukee is. And they were scoring over 100. And if Bogdanovich, and sorry, Bogdanovich was a little bit injured. And if Bogdanovich comes back and is starting to get a bit better, they can, Atlanta can easily beat Milwaukee. I don't think it'll if happen. They had Hunter, I would, uh, I'd might, I might give him a chance, but they're missing, they're missing that wing defender that they can throw on Middleton. Middleton's gonna cook, I think, the series. I don't like, um, I don't like Gallinari's chances or Bogdanovich or who else they got, uh, white boy Huerta or what's his name? Herder. Uh, Herder, sorry, <laughs> Huerta. That's a fighter. Herder, uh, <laughs> pale dude. I don't like their chances defensively against Middleton. I think I think he'll cook. He'll get his uh, his mid range game going and, and get any shot he wants. And uh, Capella's going to do okay against Giannis, I guess. But he's he's had back to back series where he's he's going against a a force of nature. And this time the, the force of nature isn't injured, so I don't. He might uh, he'll do his best, but I think Giannis is still going to have his way with him ultimately. Well, if and, you look at a lot of matchups when Milwaukee played Atlanta, this like they only had two meetings this year, but when they played them. They had Solomon Hill, who's like a journeyman guy, and he was in New Orleans and stuff for a while. And then Clint Capella is their main two guys guarding Giannis. And with Giannis's free throw struggles, like even in game seven, like he did hit some down the stretch a little bit, but basically most of the time it's splitting a pair at best. He's one for two, and he's airballing some, which means he's not consistent at all. I can see them just throwing hack a Giannis if Middleton starts to cook or if other guys start to get on a roll. You just hack a Giannis. And then you give them the choice. Giannis goes off the floor, so then Middleton becomes the guy. Well, yeah. you, I don't you, think they'll put. I don't think they'll take Giannis out though. I think they'll live with it. Either exactly. Way. So then they're getting one point. And if you do the math, like if they foul Giannis on ten consecutive possessions, and Giannis gets one out of two, which is kind of what he's going at. So let's say 10, 11 points. All Atlanta has to do is shoot thirty percent from three to equal that, essentially. And I think they will. So if you start looking at that then Atlanta has a good possibility of winning this series. And then in the NBA Finals, anything yeah, can happen. You can only do that in stretches. Like you only have so many fouls to burn throughout the game. You can do that in a stretch and make a run. So if, if that's like their fourth quarter strategy, or maybe if they're down in the third or, or they want to make a run, but you can't live on that the whole game because eventually, uh, eventually you're just going to run out of fouls. Well, see, I, I thought that too, but then each player has six. And there's some players that we haven't seen much. So we obviously um, will see, I think, a lot of Solomon Hill. But there, we have a bunch of other guys at the end of the roster, like Tony Snell. He'll, like, he, he's gotten some burn. He'll be in there. Um, he'll hit a couple threes and do nothing else. Sure. Yeah, and, but then he got six fouls for Giannis. So he'll go down on one end, shoot a three. And then if Giannis gets towards the basket, they'll foul him. Otherwise, they'll the just... Big, uh, the big rookie that played with the ball boys. What, what was his name? Oh, um, uh... You know um, what I'm talking about. Um, Lanky Kenga Okongu. Okongu, yeah. Sorry, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I was trying to think about how to pronounce it. So, yeah, so he's in there. That's six solid fouls right yeah, there. Sure. And then they have other guys like Bruno Fernando. He's like another center. He's like a third-string center. They'll, they'll have him out there. They can probably give up a good 24 fouls to, to Giannis, which is like 24 trips to the line, like – I think I can't remember what the record was when Shaq was back in the day, hack a Shaq, but I think he averaged like in some games, like 30, 40 free throws. I don't think it was 40, but yeah, it, it's, it's been a, it was some ugly stuff for sure. Maybe, maybe that like, there's two ways this could go. Maybe Giannis folds like Simmons. I don't think he does. I don't think Giannis is scared like that. I don't think he starts running away from other players like Will Chamberlain used to do <laughs> threatening to beat the guys up don't foul me. I'll punch you. And he's running away from him. I don't think any, I think Giannis is ready. He's there for the moment. And, uh, and I don't think he'll shoot lower than 60%. I don't, even if he does, that's uh if he does say la vie, I don't think he'll do that every game. They might win a game like that. I don't think that's a good diet to, to, I don't think that should be your game plan to win a series. Yeah. And not to mention like Nick, Nick McMillan's kind of an old school guy. And I don't think he's going to want to do the hack a shack or hack a Disrespectful to the game in a certain, well, it's disrespectful to shoot free throws that poorly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But I, I think he'd like only do it in spurts if they just like Milwaukee's got momentum or whatever like that. But I, yeah, I can definitely see a way our world where Atlanta is winning that and going to the championship game. And then who knows? Trey young is like 
got massive little man syndrome. He's got he's like the cockiest, arrogant guy that's like six one and one hundred and sixty five. He's pounds. got a chip, man, an ultimate chip, and that's what makes him so great. Yeah, like he's. I think there's like multiple thirteen or fourteen year olds I probably know that could beat him up in a fight, and yet he he'll do whatever it takes, and he is just um, so competitive that I wouldn't be surprised if they can pull it out. Well, if he can do it against Drew Holiday, then I'll be a believer. I think Drew's the best uh, perimeter defender in the, in the game. Like, obviously, going against KD is a different story. He just gets – no one can stop that guy. He just shoots over everyone. But against other like-sized people, I think he can lock up, and I think he's going to lock Trey up this series. So another thing I thought would be funny is we have some people that are like foul hunters, and they really embellish stuff. And Trey Young, I think, is number one in the league right now. But on the other side, you got Chris Paul in Phoenix, who's been known to uh, to flop a little bit and really get on the refs and stuff. So if you have them two matched up against each other, this is like the Mount Rushmore of floppers slash complainers slash... Well, Harden's not in there. Exactly. So Harden's not there. And then um, there's one other one. I would Maybe say. LeBron? Complaining-wise, no. he doesn't flop as, as that much, but he complains more than most most do. Yeah, but like, so Harden's not there, but you got Chris Paul and Trey Young going at each other, and it's going to be so funny because Chris Paul's going to go down, and he's going to get a foul where he just stops and Trey Young runs into him or whatever the case may be, and then Trey Young's going to be complaining, and Trey Young's going to go on the other end, do the exact same thing, and then Chris Paul's going to be into the ref, and it's going to be the political battle, and it's the young versus old. There's a lot of storylines that can happen if it's Phoenix... Uh, and Atlanta in the finals. Yeah, I think I think ratings wise, they they want uh, they should want if the, if there's the fixes in, which I don't think this year because <laughs> there's no uh, a lot of the teams that you think would be advancing are not here. Um, but if they want to think about which is the best for the league right now, they probably want to market Giannis. He's a two-time MVP. He's uh, he's the youngest best player. In, in here, I think like Booker is on the rise, but he's not, he's never sniffed an MVP. Um, Giannis is what is he 26? Uh, it, it's his, I think it, it's his time. It's a year where the, the clearly the Nets were the best team, but they fell apart physically. And so this is the year he's got to get it because I don't think he's going to get that many more if, uh, if the Nets come back and, and who knows what happens in the West. But I think this is the year for all these outlier teams to get one because I don't know if any four, any of these four will be even back in the Final Four next year. They could all be ousted early. Yeah, well, I think the, the best opportunity to repeat back in this um, these finals, conference finals would be the Clippers, right? Like they are, Kawhi's technically going to be an opt-out free agent, but he's going to resign there. Like I'd be shocked if he left what everything you said, like the Nets are going to roll for the next few years. And then after that, Atlanta is going to be coming. You got some other young talent there. This could be Giannis's only shot. This could be Milwaukee's only chance. And same with Phoenix. Like the West is tough. Chris Paul's old. He might not even be there next year. because He opt might out. opt out and join the Knicks for big money or something. Exactly. So this is like Phoenix and Milwaukee. These are their chances to win, especially Chris Paul's uh, 36 now. I think he doesn't have many years left, especially at this level. And Giannis, like, this might be his only opportunity other than being in like 10 years now or eight years when he's in his end of his prime, jumping onto a team, trying to win a championship. Christoph Porzingis. I think it's pretty safe to assume he's going to be traded. I would be really surprised if he stays there. He and Luca aren't close. Uh, he's kind of already started saying that he wasn't what he signed up for. He's doing stuff in like the foreign media where he's like, and he'll blame it if he stays in Dallas somehow or, if he wants to keep the reputation good, well, it was a language barrier or whatever, but he's basically throwing stuff out that uh, he's not happy. It's not what he signed up for. And I don't think it's what Dallas signed up for. So I'm, Oz, I'm going to throw some possibility Porzingis trades at you and see what you think. All right. So here's one. And I think it's kind of straight. I, I think it's good for both teams, but Sacramento gets Porzingis. Sacramento's not really doing much, but they have De'Aaron Fox. He's extension eligible. They've kind of been going in mediocrity, but they need to get a little bit better, but they have a lot of salary. So they get Porzingis, and Dallas gets Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley Jr. What do you think of that one? I think uh, it's a risk that Vladi would have taken, and he probably would have done it in a heartbeat. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I get a, a, a big Euro. This is awesome. And he just pulls the trigger instantly. Not thinking that Porzingis is made of glass. He's the glass unicorn. He's going to shatter on the third play of uh, the second game of the season. And uh, and then they're screwed. 
But maybe if they add, I don't know if Dallas has any uh, sprinkler they can put in there draft pick wise. I doubt it. I think they've, they've, they've essentially traded away most of their draft picks. Maybe they could find something to, to spice it up. But if I'm, if I'm Sacramento now, I'm, I'm not risking on an injury prone guy. I would do it in a heartbeat if I was Dallas. I think uh, Bagley with a new, a new setting could uh, reinvent himself having a guy like with, with Luca to set him up and in a new situation, he could probably do a lot better. And you know, that he'll just going to be a flamethrower hitting wide open threes all day in that role. He'd be basically a little bit better version of Seth Curry, who they never should have traded away. So uh, I think it'd be a great move Dallas wise. I just don't see Sacramento doing it. So hard to trade for a guy that's so injury prone and KP. Yeah. So Dallas technically has their pick next year and they can't trade it. Cause I, because they traded their pick this year, and there's like a rule you have to have your pick. Um, you can't trade it away for two consecutive years. But they could do a pick swap with Sacramento, but they, uh, Sacramento's not going to help Sacramento. Um, I think Marvin Bagley really needs to change the scenery, and I do think that he could thrive with Luca and Buddy Hill, and I think it would be great for Dallas. And I, as much as you say Sacramento doesn't do it, they have fallen for years now prey to wanting the big name, wanting, and like, Porzingis is not the same player he was three or four years ago, but like fans, some lots of fans don't know that. And management will say, hey, this guy will sell tickets. And I, I just wouldn't be shocked if Sacramento tries to pull the name for him or maybe Kemba Walker in OKC or something like that. Well, he's a, it'd be a disgruntled guy for a disgruntled guy. So because Heald's always kind of moody. He has mood swings. One week he's happy because he just got paid $25 million, and the next week he's mad because he's a six-man or whatever. <laughs> he's still getting 30 minutes a game. I don't know what he's whining about. True. Anyways, True. Uh, yeah, it, like if they believe that KP can stay healthy, then why not? Because he's definitely the best player uh, if he's healthy in that trade. So here's another one. Dame has talked about his desire to win. He's getting older now. Portland says, you know what? We're going to swing for the fences here. We're not going to trade you. Like, I don't know why you'd want to trade Dame. He's one of the top 10 players in the league. No questions. If not even like top five or six. So Portland gets Porzingis. And this is a three-way deal. Portland gets Porzingis. Charlotte gets Norman Powell, a sign-in trade from Portland, and Robert Covington, because Porzingis and Covington kind of play the same spots. And then Dallas gets a 2023 first round unprotected pick from Portland and a 2023 unprotected first round pick from Charlotte and the rights to do a swap with the, with Charlotte in 2022. They probably have to take Tyler Zeller's uh, corpse for salary or something too. Yeah. Well, uh, Charlotte technically has enough cap room to fit it in, but maybe they, throw oh, wow. that, maybe they throw <laughs> that in. And now I'm going to make the case here. Cause you say, well, why would Dallas want to do that? This year is the last year where Luka Doncic is on his rookie salary. He's only making 10 million. Porzingis is at 30 million. If you get rid of Porzingis and the cap space that Dallas already has, they'll be in the 50 to $60 million range, depending what they want to do with a few of the other free agents. And then that's not counting Tim Hardaway. But they could go out and try to make a run at either a player that is a free agent. Now, lots of them were signed, but there are still some decent players out there. Or they can take a player just from another team that needs to do a salary dump. So what do you think of that one? Yeah, uh, that's not bad if they have someone lined up in free agency and they get those draft assets because they don't have much draft capital, like you said. And uh, then they could kind of rebuild, uh, like make this a rebuild year and say, hey, Luca, this is our plan. Get him on board. You got to get Luca on board. Cause like, he's so good right now. He's like, man, like I should be winning now. I'm I'm ready. And he shows that he's ready. He's taking a, a really good Clippers team last year to six, this year to seven, basically with not a ton of help, some Tim Hardaway games. And that's about it. Um, if you can sell him on the rebuild, that's the thing. But the main thing is you got to keep him happy for the risk that he says, screw this. I, if I can opt out and go to a big market, like uh, New York, then I can get all my money back in endorsements and all that BS. So got to make sure that Luca's on board, which is crazy to think that you have to just <laughs> couch out to their star player, but that's the, the reality of the NBA. Now, if he's on board, then I think it's a great move for Dallas. See, I don't think it is a rebuild. They give up Porzingis. So as far as I'm concerned, watching them like Maxi Kleber you think he's a, could do you the think exact he's basically same. a negative. 
Well, he's not much of a positive, and you're clearing $30 million, and then you get to go sign other players, and I would argue that they are going to be better if they're giving more minutes to Kleber and Finney Smith and get another guy like that, another wing that can shoot some threes and rebound a bit. Because Porzingis is not blocking shots. He doesn't take advantage of mismatches. He just is a stretch five, which, again, Kleber can do. And now they're getting two picks in 2023. If anyone doesn't know, 2023 is going to be a good, like a very, very good draft class. You're going to have a stud coming over. Uh, basically, the, what some people have compared him to Porzingis as a 7-3 stretch, 4 stretch, 5, but he can create his own shot. I think he's going to be better than Porzingis. But again, he's frail and he's only 17 right now. And then another guy in the States who's like compared to be the next Kevin Durant. And in 2023, unless the rules change, what they won't likely beforehand, that, that's when they will be coming out. So you're going to have two stud talents. Plus there's some other guys that are on the cusp that will rise up so 2023 they get a couple draft picks and maybe one of them hits like portland maybe makes a swing and then a year from now just like houston did a couple years ago with russell westbrook and then portland's pick is actually gold in 2023 or charlotte like you never know what happens with charlotte so that's where i think i think this would be a steal of a deal for dallas i'm just not sure if that poor zingas would garner two first round picks that's where it would yeah start. well you Teams like Charlotte are desperate for stars too, right? So uh, you might, they might, you might be able to. Um, What do you think about just trash for trash right now? Like recency bias. These guys are good players. They're they have all star potential still, but Ben Simmons for Christoph Porzingis, you get a twin tower (laughs) unicorn scenario with with Embiid and KP kind of ridiculousness, and uh, Ben Simmons could. be the dream on to Lucas uh, Curry. <laughs> Same kind of thing there. So did you know that that's literally the next one I was going to drop on you? Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> so I thought about that. And I, because back, if you look at the 2016 draft, um, oh no, sorry, the 2015 draft, the Sixers took Jaleel Okafor third overall, and then fourth went Porzingis to the Knicks. So they already they, could have had that combo. What's that? They already should have had that combo. Exactly. So they, and I was thinking, like, they have probably, arguably, the two most fragile big men then in the league with Embiid and Porzingis. Right. So one of them goes down, then the other one takes his minutes. But they wouldn't need to play it that much together. They could stagger them probably mostly. Yeah, but uh, think of this as a front line, or think of this as, like, a lineup, basically. Embiid at the five, Porzingis at the four, and they both can shoot outside decently. And they will hopefully block shots if they're working in tandem or something. Tobias Harris at the three, Seth Curry at the two... And then you maybe get a veteran point guard like a like they already have George Hill Lowry or like a Kyle Lowry. And <laughs> now they have to do something with salary because they don't have right. any cap room. But that would be one hell of a team if they could stay healthy. And defensively, it does, it does like Simmons does a lot defensively. He covers a lot of mistakes uh, for some of those other guys, and and he always has the hardest assignment unless the other guy's a center, right? But uh, realistically. Like KP could stretch the floor if he if he if he bought into the role that hey man you're a glorified seven foot shooting guard and you're just stretching the floor for Embiid and when when is it, Embiid's out then we'll feature you and you'll get your your extra shots then but if he bought into that which I doubt because obviously he's got an ego he doesn't want to play with Luca and I'm sure Embiid is going to garner most of the most of the shots and intention in uh, Philly but if big if he could buy into that man that would be crazy. Two seven foot plus dudes in there. It'd be like uh, back in the day when Houston had Akeem and uh, and uh, what's his name? Damn it, uh, lanky guy. Robert? No, Robert Sampson. Uh, yeah, Sampson's not Robert. Uh, it was Richard. Uh, not Richard Sampson. That's my buddy. <laughs> um, and then another one too would be uh, the Twin Towers. Ralph Sampson. Ralph it. Sampson. Ralph Sampson. Yeah, that was way before my time. But two um, huge dudes, and and I don't know if it could work in modern basketball, but it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Yeah, well, the last one I can think of with actual real Twin Towers would be Duncan and Robinson. Right. In San Antonio. Now, Robinson was near the end of his his career and Duncan was just starting. But I, I think it would be interesting uh, for sure. And if Simmons ever did decide to take the Draymond Green role, ooh, with Luca, Because then Luca gets double teamed and you get Simmons on a four-on-three and stuff like that. And they're already getting shooters and stuff. That could be just like devastatingly good. I like it. That, uh, that's, that's a really good possibility. All right, we're now going to look at the most overrated players in the NBA. I've got a list of 10. Now, they're not in any particular order, though I have one that is like 
the creme de la creme of most overrated players, in my opinion. Um, and Oz has some players as well. So, uh, Oz, why don't you start us off with who you think is the most overrated player in the league? Well, I got some recency bias on here because of, of some playoff flame out. So we'll just throw some out here. We got, and a lot of it's due to high salary as well. So maybe, maybe it's not overrated, but overpaid, which is sometimes they, they go hand in hand. Um, let's start with, uh, in New York, Julius Randall on the biggest stage. Ooh. He was such a good regular season player. He was balling out all year. And in the biggest stage, he lays an egg. He shows his true colors. He cannot be a franchise guy. And the poor man is is on my overrated list because of his playoff flameout. What did he shoot in the 30 percentage? Um, what did they get? One win? Or did they get two wins in that series? I no, forget. They got one. One stinking win at home. And uh, <laughs> and then fell victim to, uh, to Trey Young. Uh, Julius, I love your game in the regular season. You're your one chance to be the man in the playoffs against the Hawks who you killed in the regular season, by the way, just didn't happen for you. So that's why you make my list. He's not the most overrated. I got other guys on there. I just wanted to throw him out there as a, a controversial pick. Yeah. What well, like to be fair, this was his first time in the NBA as like, a, or the NBA playoffs as like a real, as a real guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he actually, I don't think he's made the playoffs before at all. Nothing. Cause he was with the Lakers and then he left there. And then he was with New Orleans. Yeah, so this is the first time he was in the playoffs. So I would give him the benefit of the doubt. And he just, like, became the guy this year. He was there last year, and no one really cared. But then In this his year, defense, he might have just been dog-ass tired from playing 40 minutes a game all year under Tibbs and just didn't have anything in the tank. <laughs> but either way, he didn't show out when the lights were brightest. So for that, uh, he made the list. Okay. All right. Um, also, the guy that made my list. No, we'll go back and forth. We'll no, no, no. Oh, no. Okay. I'll, I'll give you one. Do you want me to give you my number one at the top of the list? Sure. Let's do it. I'm probably going to take a lot of hate on this, and I don't care. This is, I think he's been overrated. He's an incredible athlete. He is incredibly talented at what he does, but his, he's all about himself, and he doesn't care about winning and losing as unless it's winning on his terms and that is russell westbrook so russell westbrook lots of people put him as like he won the mvp three or four five years whatever it was five years ago now they believe that he is an outstanding player but if you look russ only wants to win when it's the ball is in his hands. It's centered around him. He was playing with Kevin Durant, arguably the greatest scorer of all time. And Russ would still be like, no, I got this. And then he forced KD to leave. He couldn't coexist with James Harden. Now, mind you, James Harden's very ball dominant and it would drive most people insane. But Russ wanted out because he wanted to be the main man on his own team. And he is not about winning. He's filling stats. I'm sure you heard about... In OKC, Steven Adams would have to box out so Russ could go with the rebounds during his triple-double MVP campaign. That's just a good big man. What a good friend Steven Adams is. <laughs> Does Russ make your list, or do you think I'm overreacting, or do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> uh, I don't think you're crazy. Um, I think Russ has had so much hate over the last couple of years that he can't be overrated anymore. He's certainly paid. He'd, he'd make the, the overpaid list for sure for the – amount of winning uh, that happens because of him. But uh, man, it's tough, tough for me. Cause I just love the compete in him, And I, I'm a Russ fan, even though he's, uh, he obviously has some really terrible decision-making on the court, but uh, his motor is probably second to none. And uh, I, I just respect guys that uh, have chips on their shoulders like him. And, and, and if he, he's willing to change a little bit though, cause in Houston, despite you saying he didn't want to coexist with Harden, he actually took on that kind of point center role for a little bit where he was, when he was healthy, all he did is uh, go downhill and try to dunk on whoever or kick it to an open three. And he was actually like fire for a while, while he was healthy. The problem with Russ is he can't maintain that style consistently without getting broken. He just gets broken too easily. And uh, you have to have the perfect fit, fit around him, which is really hard to do. And uh, 
And he obviously always thinks he's the best player on the floor, which he's not. Like Beal's better than him. There's lots of guys better than him that he's played with, and he still wants to be the man. So uh, it's 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 his personality, which is which is kind of wrecked it for him. Man, OKC should have had four or five titles right now if they could have just kept that shit together. But uh, I don't blame Russ entirely. KD's part of that as well, and uh, and Sam Presti's part of that. <laughs> they all take some blame. Who is their coach? Brooks. Brooks should take some blame too. But yeah, I don't have a problem with Russ on there, but I think he's been listed as overrated for so long that I don't know if he can can be uh, overrated anymore. Well, just to go against your Houston thing, he was on fire for two months, but that's because they basically said you got to stop shooting threes and they try to sit down with them. Yeah, and he then, was a center. He just dunked everything. He just went and tried to dunk everything and they trap Harden because they didn't respect Russ's shooting and then Russ would get to the rim. And that's his best role. His best role is when he is a secondary player and if somebody gets double teamed, but the problem is he can't shoot. So he literally needs to be like a, he's like a Rudy Gobert. Except more athletic and just like kind of a role player. That's literally what he would be. And uh, I just, I, I, thought, I thought he's been overrated since 2013, 2014. Going back to that OKC thing. Now, I didn't think of this at the time, but like the year after, like 2013, they should have traded Harden. Sorry, they should have kept Harden and traded Westbrook back in the day if there was a money crunch. Well, you you keep all three of those guys and send Serge back, and you don't need them. <laughs> true, true. If we knew the way the league was going, absolutely. Right. But uh, and then just you just got to get someone a Westbrook whisperer, some vets in there that can be like, "Hey, man, just do this role, and we're gonna win." But that's the problem. <laughs> do you hear that story about Kobe uh, whispering like telling Westbrook like, "Like, fuck these other guys. You're the man. You should be taking every shot." Whispering, telling them that kind of stuff during the Olympics. So, so when he knew that KD was their best player, but he was like planting seeds to to screw over <laughs> to screw over OKC because he saw them on the rise. So, I wonder if it's all Kobe's fault. You can bring it back to him. Yeah, that's, that would actually because that's what Kobe would do too. So that would make sense. Um, Kobe was just so much more talented than Russ, but, uh, what's, uh, who's next on your list of overrated? Well, we, we talked about Ben Simmons. I don't, we don't want to beat the dead horse anymore. Um, he's definitely got to be on a list. uh, Really? Where would you put him in the NBA? Like top, like, where do you think his ranking is? If you do a ranking, if I have like pre pre playoffs (laughs) in my rankings, he's kind of in that. He's in that Julius Randle range, except for like times 10, right? So he didn't just like Julius Randle shit in the bed, but like Ben Simmons shit the bed. He, he shit the kitchen. He shit the friggin' uh, the boot room. He shit everywhere in the house. So that's how his stock is so low that it's, it's, I don't know. Can anyone be overrated when your stock's plummeted that much? So Oz, who is your uh, next player? All right. Well, let's go with uh, let's go with my guy Kemba. I think he's broken. I don't I don't know if that means he's overrated or if he's just done. But uh, he does make a lot of money, and I'm salty because I'm a Celtics guy, and we basically didn't do anything with him. <laughs> and uh, and now we got old man Al Horford back for him. So uh, Kemba Walker and his thirty some million a year. Uh, good luck in OKC. You're uh, by all accounts, you're a stand-up guy or a professional, but I think you're broken and you're you're overpaid. I don't know if you're overrated, but you're overpaid. Definitely overpaid, yeah. And um, yeah, he's not on my list, but I can see where you're going with it. That's uh, he is fragile. He's small. His knees are crap. And I'll be curious to see. Like OKC always tries to get players that they in trade, so they got Horford and a pick. And then they tried to flip him and they flipped him the next year for Kemba and a pick. And now they're going to try to flip Kemba maybe next year or maybe later this offseason for another pick or another asset. And I'm going to be curious to see if someone, I think someone on name recognition is still going to try and take Kemba and be like, no, his knees aren't that bad or we can convert him or if he's in the right scenario, whatever the case may be. I can see that coming down. Like maybe the Lakers make a play at him. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. What would they throw back? Uh, a sign and trade with Schroeder and a three-way deal, and Schroeder goes somewhere, or <laughs> Schroeder goes back to OKC. He was good in OKC. Or like, he wouldn't so go back and be a three-way deal. Or they can also have Kuzma's extension kicks in, and Kuzma's going to be out of there. So that could be another possibility. Here's another player I have that is overrated, and I I'll explain. So 
I think James Harden is overrated as an overall player. Offensively, he is phenomenal. He and Kevin Durant are arguably the two best scorers in the league right now. But then if you look at the rest of his game, his entire game is built around him. He doesn't play defense. When he's off the ball, he literally stands there and does nothing. That's why Chris Paul couldn't handle James Harden because James Harden, if he doesn't have the ball in his hand, his team's going four and five because his defender just leaves him because he's just going to stand there and do nothing. So I'm saying James Harden is a really good player, but I don't think everyone talks about him as like top two or three or four player in the league. I don't think he's he's even close. I don't think he's even the top 10 because his liabilities defensively and if he doesn't have the ball offensively. Yeah, Harden overrated. I think he's he's definitely a one-way guy. I get that. And he hasn't had a ton of playoff success either as the man. Like he's he's uh he, I guess he had a couple decent runs. He had that one run to the like you can't count his finals appearance obviously as uh an OKC since he was just young then. But as the man, uh he kind of come up short over and over in the playoffs. So for that I put him down as a regular season guy, man. He's a horse. He just just tallies up stats and gets, gets wins. Um, I was really, I hated the way he played in Houston. It was, it was annoying. It it was all centric around him and, and him playing one-on-one. And then the only time, like he was a good passer, but because he was getting double teamed and, and uh, hitting open guys, but it's just an uh, kind of an ugly way to watch the game and a bit of annoying that way. I really liked the way he played with the Nets this year, kind of taking on that third role, uh, seeing that KD was the man and Kyrie was like the scoring guard and he was just like, all right, I'll get mine when I can, but I'm going to feed these guys the ball. And, and uh, I thought I w- that actually really impressed me how he fit in there um, as a, as a, as a side, a sidekick, but as the man, I can see him being overrated because he just hasn't had success. I think he's going to be great as a sidekick now that he's back with KD and he, uh, he's, he knows that KD's the man. And he's even given Kyrie the ball to score ahead of him. So it's kind of cool that he's being unselfish in this Nets. We'll see if it lasts another season. This is the honeymoon phase. And they didn't have to play with each other that much. When, but when he did, I thought he, it was nice. Um, let's see if that honeymoon phase lasts one more year. Okay, well, I, everything you said about Brooklyn, I totally agree. It's just like his defense. The only time he's good on defense is when he's guarding somebody in the post. Because he's, like, especially now, he's added a few pounds. And he doesn't have to move. And he just, like, trying to use his, his force. But the other guy I think is over, another guy that I think is in the same boat is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, talent-wise and skill-wise, is arguably the most skilled player we ever had. But everyone talks about the shot in 2016. And he is now this legendary playoff performer. But has he been a good playoff performer? Has he been that good of a player? leading I'm salty because he screwed over Boston as well. (laughs) Back-to-back point guards that... Kim, it wasn't Kemba's fault, but Kyrie actually kind of submarine that team. Well, let's go um, through Kyrie. Why, why not? Let's go through Kyrie. Why not live off of it? Why not live off that one shot until you? <laughs> it was a. It was the biggest shot in NBA history, arguably. Uh, absolutely. But let's go through Kyrie. Before LeBron got to Cleveland, they had 20 win seasons. They were terrible. LeBron got there and he led it, and then Kyrie was the sidekick, and then so of course he's going to win. But that's because that's LeBron. He goes to Boston, but Austin's first year, Kyrie. I think they started 22 and two. They had a great start and Kyrie was looking really good, but they also had a first year, Jason Tatum, a second year, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward got injured right away and they had Al Horford, if I remember correctly. So they, and like they had a deep roster as well. They had a really good team. So I wouldn't say that was Kyrie. And then the playoffs. Well, Kyrie also got hurt. Yeah, the class. But then so, the playoffs come around and Kyrie struggles and can't do anything. His last year in Boston, he was mentally checked out and he was just terrible. And then if he's not, if he's, he's hurt half the time. And when he's, that's his biggest. And, but issue. when he's out there, he doesn't, he doesn't help his team win. He is good as a sidekick. And maybe now he'll be like LeBron's sidekick. He'll be that with Kevin Durant. But he doesn't, do those things that make winning basketball or produce winning basketball and never mind the fact that he's hurt half the time either. So that's why I think he's, I think he talent wise, he's there. And like this year he took it two weeks off just cause he felt like it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that the, the biggest 
and he is overrated because half the time he's not available either due to injury or whatever off court things are going on in his head that he has to deal with. That's not me to judge, but at the same time, that's got to be annoying if you're Steve Nash or, or you're the general manager there. I'm like, man, can we depend on this freaking guy or not? And uh, so for that reason, I think he's uh, overrated just because you, you can't depend on him either physically or mentally when he's on the court. I think he's, I think he's fantastic still. I just don't, it's a coin flip whether you're going to have him or not. So do you have another guy on your overrated list or another overrated player? Um, maybe just some guys that maybe got a little bit too much hype like last year. And this could be like a, a sophomore slump or Tyler hero last year. Everyone's like, wow, he's so good. And then, Oh man, we Miami, we, we can't make that James Harden deal. Cause we, we can't, we can't give up on Tyler hero. He's like, man, they should have traded for James Harden if they could have had <laughs> same thing that Philly is thinking, man, we wish we would thrown in uh, who they have to maxi to the Simmons deal. They would have had Harden, but either way, hero, uh, this year, he came way down to earth. Obviously, you still see potential in him, but uh, teams have obviously figured him out, and and he's taken a step back from uh, what he was in his rookie year. Yeah, no. Uh, he had an incredible bubble, and I think that propelled him to this next level, and he definitely had a sophomore slump. However, he apparently has a really good work ethic, and I this reminds me of a Jason Tatum situation. Jason Tatum played outstanding, Kyrie and Gordon Gordon Hayward were out, and then Jason Tatum was dunking on LeBron in the playoffs, and they took LeBron to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then he came back his second year, and he struggled. And now he's looking like that all-NBA player and like a franchise star. I'm not saying Tyler Hero's going to be a franchise star, but I think next year he's going to come back, and he's going to look a lot better than he did this year. So I'm not really ready to write him off yet, but he did have a lot of hype coming into the year and did fall flat for sure. Another guy I got is Brandon Ingram. He scores well, but he's kind of like empty stats. It's like good stats, bad team sort of guy. Like he'd be great on a 25-win team, dropping 25 points a game, looking like this great guy, but terrible defensively, doesn't create shots for other guys. He can just score and he can do it his way and that's about it. What about uh, kind of the exact opposite of him, Rudy Gobert? He's basically only good for defense, but now in a in this the five out league where you got small ball and he can't punish you on offense, he's not even good for that. Well, he's on my list as well. I think Rudy Gobert getting two hundred and six million dollars signing that supermax is going to cripple the Jazz because unless Rudy Gobert learns to be an offensive player in some sort, like right now he literally stands in the dunker spot which is like two or three feet from the rim and they'll throw him lobs and he'll set screens. Now, if you listen to anybody in Utah or anybody that's a Gobert fan, he's the best screen setter. Okay, great. You can find lots of guys that can set good screens that are big and wide body players. Um, Andrew Bogut used to set great screens because he grabbed the defender's arm as he's running around and then he got away with it half the time. If you watched like the Golden State run in 2015. But Gobert needs to learn to be have some skill, some threat offensively. And until that happens, he's going to be heavily overrated. And in three or four years when he's making in 45 to $50 million a year, and then Donovan Mitchell's making that, and Utah's got no other money, they're going to be kicking themselves. Well, maybe they got to try to get off that contract this summer and, and get some pieces back. There's, I'm sure, like, he's still a quality guy. He'll get your regular season wins. Uh, but against certain matchups in the playoffs, if the other team can go small, like he was getting outplayed by his countryman, Nicholas Batum. That's embarrassing. Batum was almost on the scrap heap of the league. He was on, he was on his way out. And now, and now he's out playing an all-star big and, and Gobert. That's embarrassing for Gobert. Not, not only an all-star big, an all-NBA. He got third team all-NBA this year. So that's arguably, well, that's supposed to be one of the top 15 players in the league. Like I know his position, but it's insane. So sticking in that same realm of one-dimensional players everyone is absolutely drooling and saying that he's going to be a franchise guy and i mentioned a little bit last time but i think michael porter jr is so overrated and he shoots well and he can create his own shot but he doesn't rebound he doesn't create shots for others he is the dumbest player i've seen in the nba for iq on the defensive end he is horrendously bad another like even in basic things that you would do in basketball, like in transition in the playoffs, and I forget which round it was, um, but 
he ran to the corner for a three when they were down. No, it was, yeah. And instead of going for an yeah. easy layup. And it was like that kind of stuff that was just mind-bogglingly stupid. But then when you think about it, it's like he's been 6'10 for a while. Like he's he's been taller than everybody else. He's been more skilled. He barely played in college because he had a back injury. And that's why he dropped to 14th in the draft because of the injuries care. In high school, his last year, he didn't play much either. So he hasn't really played much and he's never played with good players. So you can make the argument that once he gets in that good system, all the stuff like that, but he's around one of the best playmakers in the NBA right now, Nikola Jokic, and really good players like Jamal Murray and other stuff like that. He had a red shirt freshman year, basically. His first year, he did not play until the bubble. So he should have had a chance to learn a lot. And I just don't think he's a smart guy. So I don't think he'll ever be that franchise guy. And he'll just be a, his best role will be a six man come off, goes try and score 20 points in five, six minutes. Lou Williams style. That's, I think, his role in the future. The giant Lou Williams. Well, it could, that could be worse. I, I tend to think that uh, uh, MPJ has, uh, still has upside personally. And, and because he's improving every year, I'm not ready to, to stick a fork in him. Um, it was tough this year as, uh, in the playoffs, he had to, he's probably asked to do a bit more than he was ready for, even though he probably thought in reality, he's, he's, he's a, a good third guy and he wasn't ready to be that second guy yet. And maybe you're right. Maybe he won't ever be the, the number one guy, but, uh, I'm, I'm worried about his, his injury pass more than, uh, more than his, his head game is. I think he works hard in the offseason. I think uh, he'll keep improving, but uh, we'll see. I'm I'm I, I'm hopeful for him because uh, I, I like the mix in Denver, and I think they might have a championship run in him uh, real soon. Well, the other another player I have on my list too is Aaron Gordon, who's now in Denver too, and I watched him a bit in Orlando, <laughs> but now seeing him in the playoffs, like he is like an athletic freak. And like phenomenal athlete can dunk and do all that kind of stuff. Like that should be a lockdown defender because just of his uh, athletic prowess, but mentally he does not have it. Like he's, his IQ is really low. And so I, I think he's, yeah. I think he's heavily overrated and he doesn't have a good skill. Like he doesn't have uh, he, like a, an amazing offensive rebounder like Tristan Thompson, or uh, he can't shoot that well. He doesn't have great finishing at the basket he's yeah as far as i'm concerned i guess his defense is probably his his highest point but he's not even that good of a defender from what he should be so yeah looking at the athletic how athletic he is you'd want more out of a guy like that for sure okay i got three more guys on my list one is la who we mentioned before kyle kuzma who i think gets the la hype but is doesn't look good like i don't know maybe i'm not a fan of him but i really don't think he looks very good at all and i think it's good the lakers are going to ship him out this year I'm down with Kuz uh, being overrated. I think it mostly is because of him being in LA, and uh, and he had a couple of nice big early years on bad teams where he was filling it up. Um, now as a role player, he's he's kind of looks scared out there and doesn't doesn't really know what to do other than <laughs> occasionally hit an open shot. But he seems to be scared to create on his own. Like he used to go out and try to get buckets, and he doesn't do that anymore. So I'm not sure. Maybe he needs a new a new scenery, and he'll he'll get some of that early magic back. But um, yeah, he's definitely victim. Or yeah, it's it's a, a double edged sword because he, he's get, he's getting paid and he's getting notoriety being in L.A. But he's obviously now he's under a microscope because they lost and and people are being like, ah, Kuzma sucks. It's his fault. Um, another guy I have is he kind of came down to earth a little bit. And again, he's from the Lakers, just like Kuzma. Andre Drummond. So for years, like he, he is a really good rebounder and he'll block some shots. I'm not arguing that. I think he's really good with that. But he wants to be paid as a $30 million player. He wants to be the second or third option. He wants to do all the other stuff. That's not him. He's a rebounder and a block shot. He's basically Tristan Thompson, just a slightly taller guy. Yeah, man. He's a, he's a mid-level exception waiting to happen this offseason. The poor guy, he missed. He got a big contract, so I don't think he gets another big contract. He's uh, showed his what he can do as well in the playoffs and and it's not much. Yeah. And then the, I, as far as I'm concerned, the previous version of Andre Drummond, like a few years ago is Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same guy. And like <laughs> Miami let 
so many guys go and they didn't want to give Dwayne Wade all this money because they wanted to give Hassan Whiteside all this money. Now, I'm not saying they should have given Dwayne Wade all that money. He was old and he went to Chicago and got all that money for doing nothing. But there's always these guys, like especially centers, where they think it's going to be the superstar player or a really, really good player and they block shots and they rebound and that's it. My last guy on my list is a former Laker and he would definitely be 10th of these 10 players. But I think Lonzo Ball is a bit overrated, Ooh. a bit overhyped. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's the guy that teases you, right? He'll go like a stretch where he's shooting the lights out and playing good D and he's getting assists and he's like, man, what a guy. And then he'll go into a funk where he can't shoot and he looks like he's lost out there. So I don't know which one to believe. Um, I'm an optimist on Lonzo because I do like guys that can make people better. And he is, he can be that, but man, sometimes he's just like, what the hell, how did he make the league? Yeah, I, I think you said it best when he's like he's up and down. He's like a yo-yo. He'll look great and then he looks bad, and it's it's just like all the ball hype and everything like that. Um, probably from his dad too and stuff like that. I just think like I I actually like Lonzo Ball, even though his dad I hate. Um, I just think he's a bit overhyped and a bit over, bit overdone. Okay, so we're gonna finish. We finished up the most overrated players in the league right now. We're gonna have a most underrated players coming up here in, in a week or two. But Oz, you have your own podcast going on. If other people want to listen to you, where do they find it? Like, what what do you have going on? Well, you can find us. Uh, you can look us up baselinespinarooney dot com, uh, spelled just like it sounds. Uh, Spinarooney. It's uh, from the great Booker T. We talk basketball, we talk pro wrestling, and uh, and some mixed martial arts. So that's what we do on that show. And and if you you can look up our Facebook group as well, where you can find us on Twitter at Baseline Spin One. There you go. So your basketball, MMA, wrestling fix. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty silly. We've been doing it for since the pandemic started. I needed something. I needed to get my basketball fixed somehow. So we just we we threw this together, and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll talk to you again in a in the near future. And thanks a lot for coming on. 